to um, discuss a topic here on how to be a blessing to your church. How to be a blessing to your church. So before we start, let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to come together and study your word and, and Father, to fellowship together around your word. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, the living word. And, and we also thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher and instructor of your word. So we ask now, as, as we spend these next 45 or 50 minutes or so, that you would be with us and that you would strengthen us and that you would enlighten us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be the teacher of your word, and I pray that you would use me to uh, impart to, to these, these, your children, the things you desire that they have. Thank you for this time. I ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. Um, I think probably one of the reasons I struggled with finally opening my heart to Christ uh, when I did was because of the fact that I knew that once I made that, once I opened my heart, once I made that commitment to the Lord, I, I knew that I was going to dive all into it at first. And I struggled for a while because I was a young man. I had, I had hopes. I had dreams. I planned, on, I planned on being a great architect. And I planned on um, um, spending my life. And, and, and I wanted to build a ranch house. And I wanted to own horses. And I had all these things. And I struggled with, with finally coming to that point where I would open my heart to Christ because I knew that once I did, my daddy raised me, if you're going to do something, do it, do it right. Do it with all your heart. And so I struggled, I struggled giving, giving up to Christ because I didn't want to let go of all those things. And, but I finally did. I got, I got saved. And I did exactly what I thought I was going to do. I just, I just jumped into it both feet at first, but... I say that because I love the church, and uh, I'm not trying to exalt myself here or anything like that. Please don't misunderstand me, but um, I've dedicated my life to the church. Um, all, these, all these years that my wife and I have been in the ministry, um, we've never considered anything but the church. And so the church is important. I want you to understand that. Um, the church is bigger than you, it's bigger than I, it's more important than you and I. Although we are the church, still, no one individual within the church is more important than the church itself. So we need to understand that. We need to have the proper love and the proper respect for the church. And so I want to talk to you today about how to be a blessing to your church. Now this morning I would assume that each of you are here because you love the Lord and have decided that this is the church for you. And if this is so, and I hope it is, then wouldn't it make sense that we would want to be the best church members that we can possibly be? I mean, if, this is, if you consider this to be your church, then take ownership of it. Invest yourself into it. And, and, and be the best church member you can be to be to help us build the best church that we can build for Christ in this place. And as I said, I, I do not set myself apart as the epitome of church members. Uh, however, there are some practical things that I've learned over the past 31 and a half years of ministry. Some things that will make you a blessing to the pastor 
and to the entire church family. So I want to, I want to look at these five things, and there are many more, but um, these are five that, I, that I, I, I felt I could have time to, to impart this morning. So let's look at those. Number one, uh, how to become a blessing to your church. Number one, let me say this, attend all services. Attend all services. Now, over the years, I've seen people come in and, and, and to our church and, and come in and get all excited about, about what they hear and what they see in the preaching. And, and, oh, they're so thrilled and they're so excited and everything else. And then they join the church. I almost hate to see them do it. Because as soon as they join the church, you never see them again. It's, it's almost as if they think church membership is the gateway to eternal life. Just join a church, just be a member, and you're golden. But that's not the case. Some only attend on special days, like Easter Sunday or, or Christmas or, or something like that. They, they, they don't attend regularly. They just, they just come in on those special days. Uh, that's what a good Catholic does. A good Catholic man. Only goes to church on Easter and Christmas. He doesn't go to church any other time. But that's the way it is. The rest of the year, it's almost as though they think it's optional. Now, I realize that uh, many of you this morning are looking at this as an elementary point. Kindergarten stuff. And we don't need to hear about this. However, from our attendance records of late, it would appear that many of our people have forgotten about this principle of church attendance. We live in a very active society. Very busy, busy place. I was thinking about this. Um, I think it was, I, I don't know, I, I, my days, I'm getting, as I get older, my days are running into each other. And I, sometimes I say, well, I thought about this just the other day, and it was like six months ago. But people seem to have forgotten this principle of church attendance. I mean, there's always something to do. And, and there is in our society today. There's, there's always something that you can do. And, and for some reason, people, the world feels the best day to do those are on Sunday. You know, when I was a boy, I played Little League Baseball. But we never played on Sunday. Ever. We didn't even play on Saturday. We played Little League Baseball. And, and by the way, we played it during the summer. Nowadays, uh, the, the, the community sports, uh, it, it takes place in the early spring, and by the time summer comes, it's all, it's all over with. It's all finished. And I think that's probably because today people take vacations. When I was a kid, vacation was going down to the lake and jumping in. That was vacation. So, but in my day, when I was young, Sunday was, it didn't matter what religion you were, Sunday was a holy day. It was a day set aside for God. The biggest factories in the area would shut down on Saturday afternoon. There was no one open on Sunday. Because everybody, no matter what your belief, was in church on Sunday. But times have changed. And now, all of the activities take place on Sunday. And I have no doubt in my mind, this is the work of the spirit of the Antichrist to draw people away from the house of God on Sunday. Let me remind you of the scripture's opinion regarding these things. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrew writes these words, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, 
for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Notice the admonitions we find in this scripture. We are to consider one another. We are to provoke one another unto love and good works. And we are to exhort one another. And, and the place that God has, has ordained for that to take place is within his house, the church. As one body, we all need one another. We may not realize that. We may not even believe that. But we need each other. God has, in, in, our, in our new birth, God has, has changed us into, into his children and we need one another. Uh, we are here to help one another. We draw strength and encouragement from one another. We are not here, I'm sorry, when, when we are not here, we weaken the body. Did you ever think about that? What would it be like today if... if uh, my right hand decided it didn't want to come to church today. Hmm? So my right hand says, ah, I'm going to the beach today. You go to church if you want. I'm going to the beach. I'd be, I, it would be painful for my hand to detach itself from me and go to the beach, wouldn't it? Oh, you say, oh, that's silly. No, it's not silly. It's not silly. We, we, uh, we weaken the body when we absence ourselves from the congregational meetings of the church, the preaching sessions, the teaching sessions, we weaken the body. Uh, there are many excuses offered for not being in church. And believe me, in, in, in all the years I've been in the ministry, I've heard them all. I've heard every excuse possible. Now, let me say this right now. If you have to work on Sunday, I mean, if your employer tells you, you know, we got to work today, I, I, that, that is understandable. But when you opt to not come to church in lieu of something else, this is what I'm talking about today, but about weakening the church when we absence ourselves. So there are many excuses, but when we apply these same excuses to work, uh-oh. Somehow we usually find a way to overcome those other things and go to work. Right? Don't go to sleep on me and don't tune me out. I mean, you don't, pick, you don't just not show up for work and then come on in the next day and your boss says, Hey, where were you? Oh, I had something else to do. You're not going to get away with that. Very often, if you get away with it at all. If I was your boss, you wouldn't get away with it once. But we find all the, we use all these excuses. I don't want to get anybody mad, but we are here to hear truth, right? We claim to love God. And we claim to put him first in our life above everything else. But do we really? In Exodus chapter 20, this is God's expectation. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, if you really love God, you will obey him. And you will want to honor him by keeping his Sabbath holy and dedicate it unto him. So, don't tell me you love the Lord. Show me you love the Lord. Talk is cheap. You ever heard that? My daddy used to tell me that all the time. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've done. Huh? Dad come in the house. Hey, son, the lawn needs mowing. Yeah, yeah, Dad, I, I will. No, no, no. You go now. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've done. And, and this is the principle we need to have concerning our love for God. Don't tell me you love God when, when you, you absence yourself from the services designed to worship and glorify him. Don't make excuses. Just show up. I can assure you, if you forsake the church services, you're not a blessing to your church. What do you think? How do you think the pastor feels? Think about this for a moment. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that every, every pastor in the world is, is super dedicated, but I can tell you our pastor is. Because I'm here all day, every day. And our pastor labors to prepare messages, to prepare to stand in this pulpit and preach. How do you think he feels when he spent 60 or 70 hours a week preparing sermons? And he steps into his pulpit and looks out there and two-thirds of the congregation is not here. Hmm? Think about it. It's not a very good feeling. It's actually, it's actually disappointing. So if we want to be a blessing to our church, then we should attend all of its services. And again, I understand and realize there are, there are illnesses, and, and, and in today's society, you just can't hardly find a job where, where you don't work on weekends and things like that. And I understand all of that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about absencing yourself from church to go out and play. That's a, that's, that doesn't strengthen your church. It doesn't build your, your church. It's a disappointment to your pastor. And it's a disappointment, by the way, to church members. I'm disappointed sometimes when I, when I see, and, and I shadow the attendance. Lou takes the attendance. Well, so do I. And I see who's here and who's not here. And sometimes it's a grave disappointment. So, firstly, if you want to be a blessing to our church, let's learn to attend the services. Number two is accept responsibilities. Accept responsibilities. There are so many things that have to be done in and through the local church. It's amazing what has to be, what has to go into all the work that goes into our Sunday services here. I drove, I drove by here yesterday and saw Brother Moline out in the parking lot with a blower blowing the leaves across the parking lot. And he's so nice to do that just so that the wind can, overnight can blow him back to the other side. That's just... It's just an amazing thing to do. (laughs) But there are so many things that have to be done. The building has to be cleaned. I walked in here. I had to come in late last night, and I stepped in the building late last night, and and Dave Morrow and Gail Morrow must have just 
finished cleaning and left, I walked in, and that wonderful smell of pine, pine saw, that fresh how do they figure that smells like a pine forest? It's beyond me. I, I've been in pine forest. It doesn't smell like, like pine saw, I tell you. But anyway, I don't want to get off the subject. But there are a lot of things that have to be done. Uh, all these lights, they, they systematically go out. They don't go out all at once so you can get it done in one day. They systematically go out. And, you know, and then next week, and then the next week. But all these things have to be taken care of. There's a lot that has to be done. But... All of these things usually fall on just a few people. Far too many Christians are content to just be spectators in and around the local church. But we all need to accept the responsibilities that accompany membership. After all, if we don't do it, then who will? Uh, last time I checked, the city of Ronan Park doesn't show up and say, hey, you need your lawn mowed, or uh, can, we change, can we change the light bulbs for you that have burned out? Hmm? Would you like for us to clean your toilets for you? Huh? Can we shampoo your carpet? If we don't do it, it won't get done. So somebody has to do these things. And we all need to accept these responsibilities. Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We need to be faithful members of this church. And I personally believe every member of this church ought to find a job to do. You ought to talk to the pastor. Uh, and, and say, what can I do? Give me, give me a responsibility, and I will make sure it's done every Sunday morning. I'm the first to arrive here every Sunday. I, I get here around, usually around 7 o'clock. And I used to come in, and I used to do, do just about everything that had to be done. And I, I learned that I was disappointing some people who were showing up here, and I had already did that which they were coming to do. I mean, I think of John here. John uncovers these things, and he, he, he goes around and makes sure all the lights are on. Huh? I started thinking to myself, I'm not going to take John's job. I'm here before everyone, but, you know, he has, he's chosen a responsibility, and he, he takes care of it. And I could go right down the line. There are many people that have jobs to do. We need to learn to be faithful, to accept responsibility. As members of the local church, we are responsible... To conduct our lives in accordance with the beliefs of the church. Did you ever think about that? We're to, live, we're to live in faith. We're to live in purity of heart and mind. And we're to assume the responsibilities that accompany membership. I've actually had talked to people that have gotten mad because we've spoken to them about something they're doing which, which goes against the beliefs of our church. And they, they, they feel like they have a right to be a member of our church, but live their life however they want to. And you can't tell me what to do. And that's a poor attitude. Each one of us have a responsibility as members of the church to conduct ourselves in such a manner that glorifies and honors God in the church. Christ loves the church. It is his bride. And it is the responsibility of every member to honor and glorify his church. Each of us, without exception, must accept our part in this body of believers. 
And each of us, without exception, must fulfill this role and meet all of the expectations that accompany membership. If, if you want to be a blessing to your church, first of all, attend all of the services. Be here when there's teaching going on. Be here when there's preaching going on. It's a, you know, it's interesting. We don't have any problem getting people to, to attend the Thanksgiving luncheon. We almost have to put extra chairs out for that. So people are more concerned about getting their belly filled than their heart filled. And that's why this nation is in the condition it's in, by the way. We, we, we can't, this, America today couldn't possibly compare itself. Maybe in technology we far advanced 17th and 18th century Christians. But in spirituality, we're nowhere near where they were. And that's, that's, that's our responsibility to conduct ourselves in, in that manner. But then number three... Accepting responsibility leads me into the next point, and that is be active in the ministries of your church. Be active in the ministries of your church. If I'm not mistaken, our, our mantra here is every member a minister, every saint a servant. Now, the greatest detriment to any church is the philosophy that it is, it is the responsibility of a few to do all the work of the church. I've been, I've been places where everyone is sitting down. The, past, the poor pastor is about to drop dead because he's got to do everything. Because nobody in the church will do anything because, after all, we pay him to do that. Why should I show up and mow the lawn? The pastor gets paid. Let him do it. Why should I rip myself away from my television set to go out visiting. The pastor gets paid for that. Let him do it. And, and there's no more, more destru- destructive philosophy in any church than that. Now certainly, the pastor, by virtue of his position, should lead the way in the work of the ministry. The pastor should lead us into doing all of these things. But it's not his sole responsibility. The work of the church is greatly hindered when people just sit around and and don't assume any responsibility and don't get active in the ministry of the church. Paul stated in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the of the body of Christ. So in other words, the reason we have pastors and teachers and, 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 and things like that is for the perfecting of the saints or for the education of the saints, for the work of the ministry, so that the saints can, can perform and do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ so that the church, the body of Christ, the church will be strong and will grow. This is why... We have a pastor. He's not our servant. He's our leader. And each of us are to walk in union with him. Side by side. Being a help. Being active in the ministries of the church. This is not a contest to see who can become the most popular. Hmm? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'm confused about this. I've, I've gone to churches where there's, there's, there's a political uh, structure in place. And, oh, you better not make any suggestions and you better not do anything without checking with deacon so-and-so. This is not a popularity contest. The church isn't here to, to, to vaunt us and to exalt us and to glorify us. The church is here to glorify God, to worship God, to honor the Lord. This is why God gave us the church. It's not a battle over authority. Our goal here is to worship and glorify God by our words, by our thoughts, and by our deeds. The goal here is to preach the gospel to every person we come in contact with. The purpose, our goal here is to teach the doctrines and the principles of the word of God. Our goal in this church is to teach our children of God and to teach them to yield to his will for their lives. And this responsibility doesn't fall solely on the pastor. It falls on every member of this church. It falls on you. It falls on me. Hmm? Whoa. Quiet crowd. I told you when I started this message, I love the church. Because the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus died for his bride. And I love the church. And you and I need to be the best member of this church we can be. Sometimes that means we have to take responsibility. Sometimes that means we have to be active in the work of the church. There is a work to be done. And if you want to be a blessing to your church, you need to put your hands to the plow and get busy. Remember what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10? He stated, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Simply stated, do not wait until tomorrow to do what you know to do today. Be active in the ministries of your church. So to be a, a blessing, to be a Christian who's a blessing to the church, first, we need to attend all services. Secondly, we should accept responsibilities. Thirdly, we should be active in the ministries of the church. And then number four, be accountable for your actions. Be accountable for your actions. Now, the tendency of a lot of people is is to pay three times as much attention to what everybody else is doing than to what you're doing. We are to be accountable for our actions. We're to, we're to exercise sound judgment. You know, when Paul talked about in the scriptures that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient, all things are lawful, but all things edify not, what Paul is saying there is, I'm going to monitor my own behavior because... Though, though doing some things may not be sinful, they are not helpful. 
And, and we need to learn to exercise as, as God's children sound judgment in what we do and what we say. You know, sometimes I, I, I hear people say things in such a hurtful and, and hateful way. You ever notice that? And, you know, there's an old saying, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And, and sometimes it, you can say something to someone and say it in a tactful manner and, and help them. That's what we're to do. We're to behave. We're to, we're to, we're to conduct our lives in such a manner that we, we are a help to others. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, Peter writes, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. We're accountable for our actions, what we do. We're going to give account before God, but we're accountable to one another for our actions. And we need to be careful with what we say and and what we do. We need to make sure that what we do doesn't bring shame and reproach upon the name of Jesus or upon upon our church. When we go out into the community, when we we touch, touch the community outside the walls of this church... If people know you're a member of Berean and you're behaving poorly, what is that going to say? What is that going to say to them about the church? And and we need to consider that. Jesus is is raising for himself a pure church. And it's not appropriate for you and I to go out there and besmirch the name of God's church. So we have to be careful. We need to be accountable. You ever, you ever hear the old saying, no man is an island unto himself? I don't know if they say that very much anymore. They, we heard it all the time when I was growing up. No man is an island unto himself. What is it exactly does that mean? Well, simply stated, it means everything you do affects others around you. I grow weary of church members who live with the philosophy that states no one is going to tell me what to do. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but at some point in your life, someone will tell you what to do. And it may be the Lord Jesus himself. No man is an island unto himself. I, I remember, I, I don't know when this, this was 1985 or 1986, something, somewhere around there. I think it was 86. Uh, I woke up one Sunday morning. I was dead tired. I was just exhausted. And uh, here I had, a, I had two children at that time and uh, working, working a, a physical job and, and running bus routes and teaching Sunday school classes and, and doing all the things I was doing. I woke up one Sunday morning and I said, that's it. I've had it. I've taken, I was like Popeye. I've stu- I've, well, how does he say it? I had I've, uh, I don't know can't stand no more yeah but I got up and we we our house had a long hallway and the phone was at the end of the hallway and I got up and I started walking down that hallway and I said I'm going to call brother Gilbert and I'm going to tell him I quit that's it I quit no more and as I walked down that hallway on the right I walked past an open door and my two daughters were laying down 
asleep in their beds. One was, at that time, one was two and the other was four. And I looked into that room and I said to myself, I can't quit. I can't quit because if I quit, they're going to pay the price. If I quit on God, if I, if I stop doing all that I can do for the Lord, they're going to grow up in a home without Christ and they're going to pay the price. My wife and I were saved, but they weren't. And folks, over the years, there have been times when I've considered decisions I have to make. And when I'm considering those, I'm considering you. I'm thinking about you. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in human flesh. And there have been times I wanted to quit. But I stop and I think about these teenagers over here that was my responsibility. And the fact that I have to continue because they need me and I need them. Hmm? There's nobody in this room can stand up and say, I, can, I, I don't need anybody. None of us can do that. Because we all need each other. And I am accountable for my actions. And I've made decisions over the years. And when I make those, I consider other people. And that's what we have to do. Because to be a blessing to our church, we need to accept responsibility for each other. We need to be accountable to each other. When, pastor, when, when we voted Pastor Smith in as our pastor, the next, that Monday morning, I walked into his office and I sat down and I told him, I said, Pastor, if you see me doing anything I shouldn't be doing, I want you to, I want you to come and tell me about it right away. I, make, I held myself accountable to him. Who are you accountable to? Everyone... Everyone in this church, you ought to have somebody, some, some fellow church member that you hold yourself accountable to. And you ought to give them the liberty. If they see you doing something they should, you shouldn't be doing, you ought to give them the liberty to come to you and call you on it. You know, that's a strong church. Not being judgmental of each other, being accountable to each other. There's a difference. Quit making excuses and Start making confession. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Find someone you respect and trust and make yourself accountable to them. And then lastly this morning, to be a blessing to your church. Number five, appropriate time to serve in your church. Appropriate time to serve. John chapter 4 and verse 34. Say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Have you ever heard the saying, aim at nothing and you will hit it? I have learned that if you wait for a better time to serve the Lord, then you will never get it done. There is no better time. Felix thought that he would wait for a more convenient season when Paul preached to him. In Acts 24, 25, we read it. As he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. Uh, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And you know what? He never called for Paul. Because he never had a convenient season. The rich man 
in the parable in, in Luke thought that he had plenty of time. But in Luke 12, 16, we read, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And if that isn't enough to convince you, consider the admonition of Jesus himself in John chapter 9, verse 4, where he states, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Listen, Appropriate time to serve in your church. And let me say this, there's no better day than today, and there is no better time than right now. Remember the warnings of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He states, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in, an accepted, in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Appropriate time to serve. Find, set, up, set aside time to serve in the church. If you, if you wait until you've got spare time to, to get active in the ministry, if you wait until spare time to, to come and, and serve in the church, you're never going to find that time. You just have to make time. You have to say no. You have to say Sunday is God's day. We're not going to do anything else. We're going we're to go to the church and serve the Lord. That's what you have to do. You don't wake up on Sunday morning and say, well, do I, do, I, do I go to church today or do I go do something else today? I've just made it a rule around our house. Sunday is the Lord's Day. We're going to be in church. And we're going to come back on Sunday night. And we're going to go back on Wednesday night. Say, well, yeah, but Wednesday church isn't in the Bible. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be in the Bible. If you love the Lord, you'll take every opportunity you have to be in his church and fellowship with him and, and with his people. And folks, I, didn't, I certainly don't want to get anyone mad, and, but I, I, don't think, I think the only way you can really help people grow is if you teach them truth. Amen? Amen. And all of this is truth. I didn't lie about anything. It may not be pleasant sometimes to hear, and it might rub us the wrong way because we're not following it. But if you want to be a blessing to your church, these are the things that we have to do. And there are many more besides these. But these all started with A, so I use those. You know my theory on that. I mentioned it Wednesday night. All right. Well, let's go ahead and break at this time. And I can't see. Oh, I still can't see. But anyway, let's go ahead and break, and we'll come together again at 11 o'clock. You're just.